Turn with me, please, to Psalms chapter uh, 37. And uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for us being able to gather here today. Lord, we're going through so many things in our personal lives and throughout our country. This is the most trying year that uh, we have seen in, in many, many years, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, now to be with us here today and let your word minister to us, let it minister to me. Open my mouth and let me be able to speak your words, Father. Let me step out of the way and I ask you, Lord, to now speak uh, on your own behalf, Lord, through your word. And I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. About a, a couple of days ago, oh yeah, I just realized I don't have a mic. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I should say, I was in my backyard and I was praying and uh, I was really, really anguished. I was really upset. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people have been feeling that way. Uh, really kind of all the way across the board, but I was just in my, my backyard is a very private place. It's very secluded. Uh, all my neighbor's backyards, the end of their backyard ends at mine and they're almost never back there. So I'm able to just sit back there and just speak openly to the Lord. And I, I, I was sitting there and I was asking him, why is it that the wicked continue to prosper? How long is this going to keep going on? Everything that's happening. And I know, I know that we don't, you know, deserve any. This country it abandoned God, and I know that whatever you bring on it is is just. But then there are those in the, this country that do love you, that are seeking your face. And what about them? What you know? What about them? And, and, and I know, I said to my, I know that I'm not what I ought to be. I see in the scriptures, when I look and comparing myself to scriptures, I know that I'm not what I ought to be. And, uh, and I know many, many of us are not. Uh, and, I, and I never say that to, to justify staying where we are in life but just acknowledging a fact you know and yet though we love him we're seeking him we're in his word and i'm asking him how long is this going to go on what about us in this situation well we're seeking you and having to endure what's going on around us what what now and I was going through, I was uh, very, very angry. I'd gone through a whole week where I just could not get rid of this anger. It was just so heavy, so heavy. It was literally physically making me feel like my chest was gonna cave in. I was so angry. 
I try to be in a good mood. I try and I start to talk and as soon as I start speaking, anger start coming out. Because everything that was at the forefront of my mind. So this was my prayer. And as soon as I stopped speaking, as soon as I ended my prayer and I stopped speaking, I'm just sitting back there and I hear uh, what I normally never hear where I live. I hear a man on a microphone in the distance. And I could tell by the tone in his voice that he's preaching. And I says, you know, I got nothing else to do. I'll sit here and sulk otherwise. I might as well go and just see what this man has to say. So I got in the car, drove around the corner, parked. He was a, it was a man, it was a handful of people under a tent off the side. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was pretty revved up. But when he finally started to settle down, he opens up his Bible and he says, well, now I'm going to give you the word. And he opened up to Psalms chapter 37 and he said this in verse 1. He said, fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good so shall you dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart commit your way unto the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth. Yet for a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I want to briefly go over this, just briefly. Uh, what I was gleaning from these things. First of all, it says fret not yourself. That means don't cause yourself to be angry over everybody else, what everybody else is doing, what, what, what is going on. It's so easy. But when, when that happens, that tells us where our focus is. And it also, it also tells us where our focus is not. And you notice in this scripture, he's saying, don't worry about them. And then he shifts the attention to himself. The Lord says, trust in me. 
No, we're trust. And I, because I, it seemed like he's saying trust, delight, commit, rest, wait, or you know, and and I'm I'm thinking. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to dig into that just a little bit more. And when he says trust, it literally means to to roll, to to or to cast yourself, cast yourself upon him. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because in First Peter, this is what Peter is saying. It's amazing. I don't know why. You know, some of us might take it for granted how often. Jesus and the apostles were always quoting the Old Testament. It's easy to see when you start to look at the languages a little bit, but it's saying to cast yourself upon him. And this is what Peter is saying. He says, humble yourself under the almighty hand of God, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all those things on him, for he cares for you. And so when you... when when you cast yourself on him and then and, and along with that connected with casting yourself on him says do good do good dwell in the land or settle the land and you shall be fed every time when you look at Israel what was always what always kept them in the land and what always got them kicked out of the land, it all had to do with following the, the Lord. It had to do with keeping his word. Now, I know that we're under a new covenant, but we still serve the same God. And the same God still commands obedience from us. And uh, when we are not worried about what everyone else is doing, but really are focusing on what we're doing with the Lord. And it's and it's and it's not it's not so it's not as difficult as it sounds. It might be at first, because we we as human beings, we don't let go. By nature, we do not let go. We hang on to everything. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, we are ones that hang on. We don't let go much to our detriment but when we first when we finally reach that point where we can or sometimes we reach a point where we have to then we cast ourselves on him I can't do this anymore I can't carry this anymore this is yours instead I don't I don't want to just merely follow your word I need your word to think for me. I need your word to speak for me. I don't know what I'm doing. And it occurs to me that I don't have to do this. Your word has all the answers. And it just so happens that's precisely what you want me to do. You want me to empty myself and fill myself with your word cast myself onto you and meanwhile let your word do the work and and blessings come from that victory comes from that peace comes from that because we can't have we can't have what we want 
in life. And oftentimes what we want is misguided. Sometimes what we want isn't necessarily bad, it just can't be. But the Lord has everything in his hands. The Lord has the whole universe in the hollow of his hand. And we're in that universe. He has it all under control. It don't feel like it, but he does. So he says to trust in the Lord. But then in verse 4, he also says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I know this, I've heard this verse taken out of context so many times, usually by prosperity preachers, you know. Uh, and what does it mean? I used to read this all the time. What does it mean, delight yourself in the Lord? What does that mean? It means to be completely enamored with him, it means to be so consumed with him. So in love with God that nothing else matters. You know, I, I, I could just imagine what it must have been like when the apostles, when it began to dawn on them that they were following the Messiah. This man really is the Messiah, this, this Jesus. When he turned the water into wine, at the wedding, it says, then they believed on him there. But there are probably several points in which God did, Christ did things, and they began to believe more and more. Because Jesus says, your hearts are hard. He had to break through a lot of layers to get them to finally fully accept who he was. But when once they did, they did well enough to, to, to leave everything behind. Could you imagine? The long-awaited Messiah had finally come. And then he walks up to you while you're working, you're, you're, you're fishing. And he says, come with me. And I will cause you to become fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. And it says they forsook their nets. They left their father with the workers. Now I do believe this, since you see in the book of John, that before that moment, they had already known Christ. They'd been introduced to him by John the Baptist. They'd already spent the night with him and hung out with him several days at this point. And where the temptation of Christ happened in that point, I'm not sure. But I could tell you that by then, by the time that he came to them, they knew who he was and they were ready to just throw everything away, leave everything behind and go. And, and, and I bet the reason why those workers were there that time was so that their father wouldn't be left empty-handed with no help. They made provisions because they knew they were leaving. Imagine being the proud father of those two men who were walking off to turn the world upside down with the Messiah. They were, and they became more and more enamored with him as the, the time went by. And they loved him, and they loved him. And they didn't always understand everything. They didn't always have the best approach to everything, but they loved him, and they loved him. Until finally, when you get to Acts, that Peter that is speaking in Acts chapter 2 is not the same Peter you read about in the Gospels by then. Because that's what happens when you're enamored with Christ. 
And he's saying, and Jesus said in the book of John, he said, if you keep my word and my word abides in you, then whatever you ask, I will give it. Whatever you ask my Father in my name, he will give it. And that's what this verse is talking about. Delight yourself. Become enamored with me. Have intimacy. The, the intimacy, the, the, manage that. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. And then where it says, I will give, I will, uh, he will... Uh, he will give you the desires of your heart. That literally means he will grant you your innermost prayers. Same thing Jesus is saying later on. You, my word abides in you because you love me. If you love me that much that you keep my word, then we're going to be on the same track, in the same will, in the same heart. And then whatever you ask in my name, the Father will grant it. And this is what he's saying here. So not only casting yourself upon him and letting his word abide in you, but also loving him, being consumed with him, and, and so consumed that you, and you're so at one with him that he will grant the prayers because now when you ask, you're asking rightly. Not like in James where he says you ask amiss because you want to consume it upon your lusts. The perfect example of that prayer of, of, of the kind of uh, the prayer that, that Jesus is talking about and that the text here is talking about in Psalms uh, perfect model prayer for that is the Lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven and then he asks for the you know care for our provisions he knows what we need Deliver us, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because after all, yours, the kingdom is yours. It's all in your hands. Your will, you're in control. And those prayers he will grant. He will. The next one says, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. Commit your way, that's, that's, it's almost similar to trust because he also uses trust again. When he says commit yourself, it literally means to roll something off of you onto someone else. And he says commit your way, your course of life. So, so he's, when he says commit, that means that you're giving him. You're, you, if you roll something off of your course of life, your whole way of the way you perceive life, the way you do life, everything, if, if you roll that off of you and onto him, then that, in that sense, that's giving it to him. So that's committing it to him, right? So, you, it, it, so that's is a very very literal way of thinking about it when you commit your way to him it literally means you are rolling and also implies a burden it's kind of a burden to manage your own life isn't it to try and form your own destiny everybody in this world wants to they think it's such a grand thing they think i i, I make my own destiny 
They don't, the world is my oyster. It doesn't work that way. They don't understand that everything here is borrowed. The very breath that the world curses him with is his. It's borrowed. And one day it'll be gone. That's just the way it is. This This is the way it is. But he tells us to roll it. They, they, they want to form their own destiny. And they find oftentimes at the end of the road they can't. They can't because they, and it gets frustrating. Why can't I have this my way? Why can't this, why don't my plans work? It's because it's not about you. It's because this is not your life. This is God's and this world is his. And he's going to come back and rule it one day. And he's given you an option. And he's invited you. He's invited many. Many have been called. But very few are going to respond to that call. Very few. It's a very burdensome thing. I, you don't realize it at first. At first it feels like freedom to call your own shots. But it gets burdensome. Again, it comes back down to emptying yourself and filling yourself with the word and letting the word speak for you, letting the word think for you. Not because you're a mindless robot. Not because a lot of people will say that, oh, that's religion, that means you don't think for yourself. You read a book and it tells you what to think. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean exactly what they say it does because they don't know God the way we know God. They don't know him at all. And that's a sad thing that they don't. But what that really means is that we make a conscious choice to stop trying to be in control of our lives and instead we are committing our way of life to him. Our, the way we, our wants, here, this is yours. And I'm trusting you with it. And it, and it says that if we do this, says that he will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. And it says, and he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and the judgment as the noonday. It reminds me an awful lot of Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Uh, first of all, in chapter 6, when Jesus says, you know, why are you going to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on? Your life is more than these things. The Gentiles chased after these things. God knows you need these things, but you have a deeper need and a deeper purpose. This is not why you're here. Those things are needful, but those are things meant to facilitate your commitment to Christ. He also says, let your light shine before men so that others will see it and they'll glorify the Father. And here in this text, it says that if you commit your way to him, then he is going to, bring, he's, he's going to uh, make sure you have everything that you need. And he's also going to manifest his glory through you. You notice Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John. In Matthew, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And the reason is because the idea is that his light shines through you. So that's the purpose in committing your way to him. 
last one is uh, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. When he talks about rest, he's simply just talking about resignation. Be resigned to him. When he uses the word wait, it's a really interesting word because in every other context where it's not being used as wait, it literally means to tie, twist together, and bind in order to make something stronger. And if that's the process that we have to go through to become one with God, it is a process, that sanctification. It's a process. And I suppose maybe that's where the waiting comes in. That's where the endurance comes in. And every time we get tired, we look around and go, this is the wrong time to stop. This is the wrong time. We get antsy, we want to find something to do, something else to do. Or we want to run somewhere else. Yesterday, um, the wife and I were talking about, because uh, I was talking to some old friends, uh, uh, and they were saying, hey, uh, we've moved to Oklahoma, and they're talking about how great that particular area they live in in Oklahoma is and it's right near Arkansas border and it's really nice I asked them is, is, is in Tornado Alley and they said it's just outside of it I don't know if that's really true but that's what they said and everything they said started sounding like oh man man that sounds great man this place is terrible but on my way over here it's funny the little things that will spark something in you on my way over here, I, um, I saw on the freeway, I saw one of the street signs, one of our main streets in our city, and it made me sad, and I started crying. I started thinking about the whole valley, as this is my home. So if I want to bring this place back to the Lord. And of course, you know, nobody can do anything like that alone, but I'd like to be a part of something like that. I, can't, I could never leave this place. It would be the wrong time to leave. Just when I want to leave the most, that's when it's the wrong time to leave. At least not without trying first. So I got to resign myself resign myself to what is, resign myself to the will of God, resign myself to Him. And allow that twisting and binding to take place between me and God. Hopefully to the point where I can't tell where I end and He begins. Last of all, he warns us not to. He warns us to stop being angry. It's not healthy to be angry. It's really actually not healthy to be angry. Anger is a normal feeling, but it is a very, very dangerous thing to hold on to. Ruin your health, ruin your mental state. It takes a lot of energy to be angry. 
It'll wear you out. Looking at other people. And then, of course, sometimes you look at yourself, get angry. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? There's no point in any of that. There's no purpose in that. God knows why. You got to trust that. The only way is forward. And so he promises us, in essence, that if we become enamored with him, cast ourselves on him, roll our course of life on him, resign ourselves to him, bind ourselves to him. And our focus is so tremendously focused on him that we become more like him. That's where the hope comes in, not just for us, but for other people to see it. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? So he tells us, we give ourselves wholly to him. What else are we going to do while we're here? What else? There isn't anything else to do. When I was younger, I thought I wanted to serve God. And I did. I did. But without realizing it, I wanted a whole lot of other things too. It's always Jesus plus something else with a lot of Christians. And then somehow deep down, maybe I was holding out for something better and didn't realize it. At this point in my life, I know there's nothing better than Jesus. Every time I grew up hearing this song, there's this one particular hymn, everybody knows it, when we all get to heaven. Those are beautiful words. I've heard it sung so many times, you know, when I was a kid, I, it, yeah, when we all get to heaven, I've heard it a million times. I cry now every time I hear it. Each verse is telling you what you got to deal with while you're on your way. But then it always ends with telling you what you have to look forward to once you get there. Helps you go on. Helps you stay focused. For me, that's like, that's like an anthem for me. That's, that's like, the way it starts, sing the wondrous love of Jesus. And then it goes and explains why. It's a beautiful song. So if we stay on that pathway, if we stay on that, God is going to take care of all the other stuff. Those that don't want him won't have him. God will clear them out of the way like chaff. He'll separate the wheat from the chaff. That's what John the Baptist said he was going to do. And he will. Thoroughly purge his threshing floor, gathering the wheat in the barn and burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. Meanwhile, all we need to be concerned with is our relationship with him because without that, we can't be a light to the world and we will have no peace. And some of us may even get consumed with the rest of the world. Who wouldn't want that? The world blinds you. you get, when you behave like the world, you can become blind like the world. So, that verse, I want to close with, this, with that verse. 
while we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh, when we all get to heaven. Bless you.